This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. As is so often the case in 2021, your Pittsburgh Steelers got a victory on the back of their defense. So often. Of their defense. It's all about the defense whenever the Steelers get a win this year. And I don't think that there has been a better example of that than the game they just won against the Tennessee Titans Sunday afternoon at Heinz Field. Total yardage, the Steelers gained 168 yards on just running 45 plays. They averaged 3.7 yards per play. They passed for 133 yards while rushing for only 35 yards on the ground. Somehow, some way, though, they came away with the victory. I should also add on to that the Titans' time of possession, 39 minutes and 8 seconds. The Steelers' time of possession, 20 minutes and 52 seconds. For almost and it 20, was even, they almost doubled up the amount of time that the Steelers had the ball. It was even more egregious, Tom, when you look at the first half splits of time of possession. And then you incorporate the Titans' first drive out of the second half. Because at that point, the Steelers were still in single digits, something like 8 minutes, and the Titans were nearing 30 minutes. And a lot of that had to do with the Titans' final drive of the first half where they went 19 plays on 64 yards in 10 minutes and 17 seconds, but the Steelers were able to hold them to a field goal. And if the Steelers let them into the end zone after that 19-play, 10-minute long drive, and the score is 17-3 to at halftime instead of 13-3, to it might be a completely different ball game. Uh, I know that the Titans got shut out in the second half, and the Steelers scored 19 points. So you could say, well, if it was 17 to, th- to three, then it would have been 19 to 17 at the end. Fair enough, but you just don't know how the game unfolds uh, if field goals become touchdowns and vice versa. So big stop from the Steelers defense there to hold them out. But yeah, that really skewed the time of possession massively, especially in that first half. To have a drive like that just go for 10-plus minutes and come away with points. It's an incredible success for a team that Mm -hmm. plays the way that the Titans want to play, and it's a great strategy when you're on the road in the NFL to just have all that ball control and come away with some productivity at the end of it. Uh, Again, they probably would have liked to see a touchdown instead of a field goal, but the Steelers' defense held strong and got the job done there at the end of the first half. Certainly. To to go... And have your offense kind of lay out the dud in the time that they're allowed on the field. Three points, you obviously missed the field goal at the end of the second half, and we'll get to that scenario and how that occurred in a little bit. But when your offense starts out the way that it's done so the past three or four weeks now, or maybe even longer, when they they can't muster to put up more than three or six points and a half, this is exactly what you you wanted out of your defense, especially considering how long the Titans held on to the ball for. To have that ball for that much time and only come away with 13 points really is, I wouldn't say a testament to the willpower of this defense, but certainly a, a good sign of, of hopefully better things to come from this defense, which had also had this tendency, like the offense, to have a slow start. We saw Dalvin Cook break out in the Minnesota game. We saw Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow really go to town on this defense early on in that blowout loss against Cincinnati. There was no indication that the Steelers' defense went on the field for as long as they were, 
would be able to keep things relatively in control, and that's exactly what they did. Now, I don't want to sit here and say that it was the best performance from the defense this season because they did still give up 201 yards on the ground, 4.8 mm-hmm. yards per carry on 42 rushes. But they bent and didn't break in this game. Uh, going up and down the football field twice just via the ground attack is not good if your opponent does that. And you're really, you know, tempting fate if you're going to have that poor of a run defense. But they were able to keep them out of the end zone, save for one Ryan Tannehill rush. And that is just a huge, huge victory for this team, even though they were gashed pretty significantly on the ground. We we kind of said, you know, last week after the Dalvin Cook game, there isn't a real fix for the rush defense. Mm. It's just not going to get better. At this point, you have to hope the bleeding isn't as bad. And you just have to bend and not break. And that's exactly what they did against the Titans. And really, with all the points being scored at the first half for Tennessee, a lot of that I don't even put on the defensive shoulders. A lot of that I put on the poor special teams play from Presley Harvin. Absolutely. Setting them up for terrible field position. There was the very short punt early on. Uh, luckily, that didn't lead to anything. There two bad punts. There was two bad punts, but the one that he actually put down in, into, what, the 10-yard line, the 15-yard line, was returned all the way 50, like 50 yards or, yard return or something. And the Titans started on the – and then there was the uh, – Blocking it back by the kicking team—that was an odd penalty to to, uh, to witness, but that added an additional ten yards. So they only had twenty-five yards to go, Tom. So an all-around bad day for special teams when you also incorporate the fact that Chris Boswell missed that field goal at the end of the first half. He did fifty-six yarder. Um, he's got that in his bag. We've seen it before, but I still don't really. You don't know if you put it on him because he was rushed out there, and I also just think kickers will miss a 50-plus yard field goal from time to time. Sure. He more than made up with it, making field goals down the stretch oh, yeah. that they needed, including a 46-yarder to extend the lead from 16-13 to 13 to 19-13. to 13. You like that. You, you make it so the Titans don't need just a field goal because if that were the case, they would have obviously kicked it instead of going for it on fourth down late in the game and tied the football game. So nice to extend it to making it so they at least needed to get into the end zone. So the boss was definitely clutch towards the end. But Harvin was a problem at the beginning of the game. Tomlin even said in his post-game press conference, you know, we were losing the field position battle significantly early, but a lot of that was due to our own misfortune in the punting game. And they drafted Presley Harvin in the seventh round. He and Jordan Berry competed in the offseason. Berry was dismissed, signs with the Vikings, not having a great year, but having a better year than I think he had last year in Pittsburgh, yeah. and certainly having a better year than Presley Harvin is right now. And it, it's certainly evident now that it wasn't that Harvin won it. It's the fact that Barry didn't win it. And I think that they probably leaned more towards keeping a draft pick than right. somebody that you know has been here for a while. We know what we got from him, and it wasn't good enough for the past couple of years. But, I mean, they've downgraded with Presley Harvin. And this is a guy that won the Ray Guy Award in college for the best punter in the nation. Was thought to be good enough to be drafted in the seventh round by an NFL team. And he has just completely crapped the bed at this point in the season. It's so late, you can't really bring anybody in. I don't know if you're going to have tryouts, uh, open you know, tryouts for punters that are around the league that aren't on rosters right now. I, I don't know what 
you could even do other than just ride him out for the remainder of the year and reevaluate in the offseason. But this win against Tennessee puts you really in the heart of things for the AFC North, where it's not just, you know, a possibility. You can talk yourself into it being decently likely that they could win the AFC North. And having that questionable of a punting game may sound stupid to you guys listening to this right now, but these games matter so much and can turn on an inch that any advantage you're giving the other team in field position is really going to be a detriment and could come back to bite you big time down this stretch run here. So you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place right now with that guy. You're almost just hoping that he can punt better. (laughs) Like, that's the only solution that you have is that Mm -hmm. I hope he just gets better at this. I mean, Tom, it's kind of like what we've been talking about, the run defense. You really can't expect it to get better. There is no – at this point, what's broken is already broken. You really can't expect it to improve. You just have to hope it's not going to be week by week as bad as it was at one point. I don't – I mean, and that that doesn't mean it's going to get better. It just means – it can't get much worse, right? I don't think it can. I mean, he averages like 42 yards per punt or somewhere around there. It's it's one of the worst in the NFL. And when you consider how slow the Steelers are coming out of the gate offensively, they have three and outs or six play drives that go 12 yards or 13 yards after a touchback or something. So if you're on your own 30, 35-yard line, you're traveling 40 yards. I mean, at best— Right, because we've seen him go far shorter than that 40-yard average. The opposing offense is starting probably most likely at worst around their own 40-yard line. I mean, you don't have much field goal, you don't have much uh, uh, field range to cover if you want to just put up at least three points. Especially when your rush defense is as bad as it is, that they can just hand the ball off mm-hmm. three or four times and they'll be at the 20 by. Uh, those by the end of those carries, and it's an easy field goal with good opportunity to score a touchdown as you're operating out of the red zone and you barely had to do anything offensively. You didn't have to really tap deep into your play calling because it's just short field position and easy running plays. So, yeah, it's a problem, and it's a problem that just doesn't think that it's going to be fixed, so you're going to have to kind of work around it or just hope that Harvin can punt a little bit better. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on at the first half of this football game as well before I move into the second half, the end of the first half, the end of that 10-play or 10-minute, 19-play mm-hmm. long drive by the Tennessee Titans. They're at the goal line. The Steelers start their goal line stand. Tick, 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 tick. They run another play. Steelers have another goal line stand. Tick, 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 tick. Why did Mike Tomlin not call any timeouts sitting on that goal line when he had all three in his pocket? And then his explanation afterwards, just it didn't make any sense at all. He almost made it seem like he expected the Titans to call timeout, and they didn't. So they just kind of stared at each other in a stalemate as the clock just bled dry. But if I'm Tennessee, I'm saying thank you for this. I mean, you're gonna we, we, we took the ball with 10 minutes left in this quarter, mm-hmm. And you're really going to let us just burn the entire quarter down while we at least get three points at the worst, potentially even get seven points here? Like, that's a gift to the other team. And then you saw the Steelers with two timeouts in their pocket when the offense had the ball 
get down the field to the point where Boswell was in range for a 56-yard field goal, just like how Chase Claypool celebrating cost them an extra yes. shot at the end zone. Tomlin's lack of using timeouts cost them an extra play to get it to a 50-yard field goal or a 48-yard field goal. Something, Something Boswell where you Boswell. can say to yourself, okay, 56, we've seen it done before, but it's not a guarantee. But Boswell from inside 50 is almost money in the bank. Not to mention... It's just football 101 to know. Oh, of course. You can stop the clock when you're on offense. So you use those timeouts when you're they're, on defense. When you, when they're, when an opposing offense isn't a goal-to-go situation, there isn't a first down opportunity where, yes, you can use your timeouts, but it's at risk of them getting a first down, and then you have no timeouts left to, to use, and, and you're being bled out with the clock. They were in goal-to-go. You have... Nowhere to move if you're the Tennessee offense other than the, the four or five yards you need to cross that goal line. And unless you're, I guess, if Mike Tomlin maybe didn't trust his defense to not not uh, be called for a penalty, that would extend the drive a little bit farther or a little bit further. But, I mean, I think it's football 101, absolutely, that you see that scenario. You see that they have three downs to get any semblance of points why not use your timeouts there to give your offense as much time as possible? You could have potentially had a, over a minute left on the clock when your offense took over At the least ball. 30 seconds. 45 seconds is, is also feasible. And I think that it's enough time to definitely get into range for a Boswell field goal. But I think it's also potentially enough time to score a touchdown if you have the plays hit like they're designed to hit for maybe a nice home run ball or something like that. So... I. I don't know what to explain of it. I think it was a very, very questionable decision. I hope that he's asked again about that in his press conference on Tuesday. Maybe he's had a couple more days to think about it. But he's not going to say that he did anything wrong. I mean, no coach in the NFL really. I don't want to say no coach, and Tomlin's done it before. But when it comes to these kind of decisions, especially ones that you know, you get away with because you end up winning the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, coaches usually tend to say, well, you know what, maybe that was questionable, maybe it wasn't, but does it really matter that we dig through the minutia of a play like that? Well, it kind of does because if it was a loss, I think we'd be talking about that mismanagement at the end of the first half for days because yeah, probably until that's, just, that's just malpractice. Until kickoff against the Chiefs, right? Because, uh, buddy, good luck having any sense of control of the clock if you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. It, it's just a guy who's been a veteran coach going to the Hall of Fame, won a Super Bowl, been to another. This is... It, it's, it's, it, was a, it was a weird moment to see that happen. It's emblematic of Tomlin's biggest criticisms. What he does right, he does really right. And then the things he does wrong, he gets called out for week after week after week. And it's the thing that... People say, well, that's why you shouldn't consider him a head coach. He he hasn't made he hasn't made a significant run in the playoffs in ten years. Uh, he he sometimes loses control of the locker room. His time management at the end of halves is junior varsity. I mean, to to use a Tomlinism against term him from him, yeah. I mean, that's what it is. Everyone kind of knows in Pittsburgh that Mike Tomlin is not necessarily the best coach when it comes to time management, whether that's burning timeouts too early or when you actually have the timeouts not using them at all and neglecting the fact that you can give your offense some extra time if you use them correctly and I'm not going to say that Mike Tomlin's not a Hall of Fame coach I think he is 
the sustained success he's had for 15-plus years is something that you don't see out of many NFL coaches, hardly ever. I mean, only a handful of coaches have had this much success for this long uh, of a tenure, but the time management has lasted that entire tenure he's been in Pittsburgh, Tom. We, we've seen it year after year after year. There's a game or two almost every season where you could point to that, that's a— that's a, either a close game that didn't need to be or a loss, and it's due to Tomlin's time management at the end of halves. Once again, the Steelers had a tough go of it in the first half as far as scoring points was uh, concerned. They scored on one of their six drives in the first half, and that was a field goal. You've turned the page over to the second half. The Steelers scored on four of their five drives, not including the end of the game. Ben Roethlisberger kneeled down to finish off the Tennessee Titans. so I think there needs to be a caveat to that that figure, Tom. What? Well, when you consider their scoring drives, the touch... <coughs> excuse me. Almost ironic how the touchdown drive was this long 60-yard drive that was methodical and ended with the play that we were least expecting, a quarterback sneak by Ben after a failed... Uh, uh, designed run to Najee Harris, the field goals that came all came off of turnovers, and those turnovers all came in Titans territory. So, is it fair to say that if the Titans had not forced the or not turned the ball over, they punted the ball instead? The Steelers are starting in their own thirty-yard line rather than the opposing thirty-yard line. That they do the same thing that they did when they had the ball in Titans territory, where they just go three and out, or it's four plays. 10 yards gained, but they have to kick a field goal. This game could have been very easily, not a blowout, but a 16 to nothing or a 16 to 3 game in the, in the Titans' favor had those turnovers not happened. Now, of course, that's a hypothetical, but I don't know if I'm really ready to give credit to this offense because the points they converted came on extremely, extremely short territory. Now you have to score a touchdown on one of those. It, you have ben, to get a first down on one of those. Ben said it in his post game. You know, you'd like to take some of those turnovers that the defense gave you and turn them into seven points instead of three. Uh, he said, especially the last one when it was mm-hmm. sixteen to thirteen. If you score a touchdown there, that's the kill shot. Mm-hmm. That's the the end of the game. Uh, you don't put the ball in your defense's hands, which of course they ended up doing, and the defense ended up winning the game for the Steelers with that Joe Hayden tackle at the end. But, yeah, you have to score touchdowns when you get that good a field position. Um, Obviously, getting some points is always good. um, But if you could have just turned one of those three field goals off of those turnovers into a touchdown, it would have been looking at it in a lot different of a light, I think. Think about how each of those drives started. And I'll I'll make my way backwards to the to the beginning of the first half the the last two field goals that came three and out kicked the field goal the first drive that came off of the first titans fumble the third play of that drive james washington tried to pull deontay johnson and held on to that ball and tried to make some football kind of moves which is not his bread and butter i don't know what he was thinking with the mentality that i can make this move that i don't really use a lot but D, but dj uses all the time that led to a fumble. But luckily, the Steelers were bailed out because of that penalty called against Tennessee. So if that penalty isn't called, it's Tennessee ball right back again. And there's no way that, I mean, not to say that there's no way, but 
it's very less likely that the, the Titans would turn the ball over once again after turning the ball over, the Steelers turn the ball over. It'd be a wild uh, stretch of turnovers if that were to be the case. But to have a possible turnover and then two three and outs, that's why I'm really not ready to give this offense much credit. Be- other than the fact that the fact the only time that they had the ball in the first half and they converted into points was on a 60-yard drive, and it came in the form of a touchdown, not even a field goal. Yeah, if you're going to force four turnovers, I think the score should be a little bit more lopsided than just a six-point victory. Like, that should be a multiple-touchdown, double-digit kind of a win for any team. when you don't allow any points in the second half. Right. A lot of that had to do with the turnovers ending the Titans' drive. Sure. 168 total yardage on offense doesn't win you a football game unless you turn the other team over four times. Uh, four turnovers forced, 12 points scored off of those turnovers for the Steelers. All four four of those turnovers led to Steelers field goals. Only touchdown of the day came after a Titans punt. Of course, that was Ben Roethlisberger sneaking it in, mm-hmm. not once but twice, and getting his first rushing touchdown since 2018 on the board. Mm-hmm. So... Lone touchdown comes off of a punt and a decent drive from the Steelers, but the rest was really the Titans giving the Steelers a favor. And even Tomlin said at the end of the game, you know, the turnovers were what really leveled the playing field out there because if you go just on total yardage, the Steelers got their butts kicked in this one. Oh, of course. I mean, what was they had less than 200 yards the offensively Titans had over all day. 300 and 200. The Titans had more rushing yards than the Steelers had total yards. Total yards. And what's more egregious to you, Tom, the the once the the fact that the Titans were able to run that much and that successfully without Derrick Henry and with a fully healthy TJ Watt, Cam Hayward in, uh Joe Hayden back so that there was less of a passing threat. They were kind of forced to run the ball and the Steelers could have seen that coming and they didn't really plan for it. Or the fact that the offense laid this egg again and it just came out completely flat. I don't know, which is more frustrating to me. The offense, I think, is the more frustrating part because all week long we've been saying, like, let's do a little no huddle. Let's go a little up-tempo early. Matt Canada, this was your excuse. We had said all week long, you you like to pass. We know it. Ben loves to get the ball in his hands. We know that. This was your time with a not-so-great passing defense ahead of you but a very good rushing defense. This was your excuse to say, let Ben have his day. Air the ball out to Claypool. Throw the ball down the middle to Pat Firemuth and Deontay Johnson. Get as many yards through the air as you want, and they couldn't even do that when they had every excuse to do so. I think that Titans defense was really good, too. Uh, like I think it's a good defense. Yeah, you can pass the ball on them, and the Steelers didn't have that great a success doing that, not as much as we'd hoped they would. But I think that's a really good Titans defense. And Ben Roethlisberger, for the second week in a row, has been beaten up a little bit. Uh, he took a, a a shot to his lower knee, uh, or lower part of his leg, I should say, from Jeffrey Simmons that was flagged for an unnecessary roughness. Uh, there was another play where he handed the ball off to Najee and then got lit up. That should have been another unnecessary Absolutely. roughness. Absolutely. It was about two seconds after he let the ball go that that hit came that in. That that hit came in on him. Gene Steratore tweeted about it saying, I mean, this is, this is an isolated quarterback with nowhere near the ball. This absolutely should have been flagged. He was sacked three times uh, on top of those two hits that he took that were one a penalty and one not a penalty, and there were three more quarterback hits on top of that. So second week in a row that Ben Roethlisberger has just been absolutely beat, and 
if he was kind of waffling on retirement at all, maybe these last two weeks have really pushed him in the direction that, you know what, this was the right decision for me to say that this was going to be my last year because, man, I can't imagine at his advanced age what he's feeling like on a Monday morning right now. Uh, I think it's going to be another week of Ben barely practicing (laughs) because I think his his body needs – the rest and rehabilitation in a way that most people, not just on the Steelers, but in the NFL, don't need. I well, mean, especially Brady's not getting hit like this. No, you know, Rodgers isn't getting response, hit like this. Everyone's initial response when they saw that late hit on Ben that was not flagged, the very first thing was Brady gets that call a million times out of a million. Aaron Rodgers gets that call a million times out of a million. And everybody should get that call a million times out of a million. Right. Those, those aren't, that's, you know, that's the problem with the NFL is that it protects certain people over others. But Ben's in that class, so that's what I don't understand. I don't know. I think there's always been that aura around Ben that he's capable of taking hits, so we're not going to throw the flag. I agree with that on some plays where, say, he's you know scrambling out of there with a the football and he throws it away. And maybe it's a second late. That was a it was a handoff though. It was a running play. It wasn't like he was like stiff arming Jeffrey Simmons out of the way and trying to get rid of the ball. And he gets rid of the ball and then like right, maybe, maybe a half possession. a second too late he gets hit. And people are like, well, Brady would get that call, but it's Ben, so he doesn't. I understand where you're coming from in that scenario, but in that case, it was a handoff. It was a rushing play. Like, there was no sense that he needed to be hit there. So. I thought that was an absolutely bogus call. Oh, completely egregious. Or I should say bogus non-call. Bogus non-call, right. And I think that came as a result. Was it another punt? Or I was that the, so. was that the field goal? I, it's field hard goal for me drive. to remember that specifically, but it was something that... It should have extended the drive. I have not seen in a long... I don't know if I've ever seen something that egregious until... It should have extended the drive. It was a bad day for the refs yesterday. Let's just say that. Because they had that... There was the, and the end of the game. That was where I was going. The, Joe Hayden the end of the game spot on the Joe Hayden tackle. Again, I don't know. <laughs> so everyone, as soon as that hit happened on Ben, the initial reaction and the in the obvious reaction was, how do you not throw the flag there? That was a late hit. You have to throw that call. You make that call for others, you should make that call for Ben. But in the same circumstance happened with the Joe Hayden tackle. No one in their right mind watching that game, whether they were in the Heinz Field or watching on TV thought that that was even close to getting a first down. Well, what's crazy is they brought out the chains to measure, and the spot was absolutely horrendous. And if that spot, I don't even know if that spot would have held if they gave it the first down because it was clear as day video evidence that he was a good yard and a half short of the line to gain. The problem that I had with it, Tom, was the fact that why did they go to the chains first? Why not just say the chains, are? I think, are the most unnecessary tool in all of sports. No, there should be a chip in the ball with a sensor Absolutely. or something Why like are we trusting the chains when guys can easily be just pushed or trip a little and the ball spot is never accurate it's as never it should accurate. be? It's never accurate. Right. There's so many flaws in that process. Why not just say, screw the chains, we're just going to review it here on the camera? And with those camera shots that you look from the hash on the sideline all the way down, it's so easy to tell. If you it's can see down. it in real time. I don't. I didn't even need. Yeah, it. that's the difference. It's like you don't even need to slow it down and look at the camera angle for that one. That was such an obvious. Even the yellow line on the TV, they, he was short of. They made contact a yard before the the first down the first down line, and then Joe Hayden throws him backwards. So they make the bad spot. 
and they bring out the chains, and it kind of looks like the, he got they the got first it. down, yeah, right? Based on the got, chain game. I mean, the refs couldn't even make a distinction. So, like, Tannehill's down on his stomach looking. Uh, Cam Hayward's in there. They're all looking to see if there's any space between the ball and the front chain. And it looks like the tip of the ball is there for a first down, and then all of a sudden the ref just says first down Pittsburgh. I don't even know who the receiver was for, t- for Tennessee who made that catch, but... I think a big sign of the fact that Tennessee didn't get it was he wasn't pleading his case. No. Like like a Shakespearean play that he had gotten it. He no. knew he was short. He knew he was short. It was a really good tackle by Joe Hayden. So, so much strength. He tweeted out afterwards the screen grab of him grabbing the guy and wrapping him up, and it said, I lift weights as the caption. And not only was the tackle strong to pull him back, he wrapped his arms. So he couldn't extend the ball mm-hmm. forward to the first down. It was a veteran play from Joe Hayden, but it was a great day from Joe Hayden overall. Even if the refs had screwed that up and they gave the Titans a first down, that was going to get reviewed so fast and overturned so fast. Would I, it? I haven't. Would it? Yes, because I had not seen a more obvious spot review in my life p- watching football. It was an on. unnecessary spot review. The white. The long, you know, the, every 10-yard lines, they have the long white line that yeah, goes yeah, across yeah, the sure. field. That was a half a yard in front of the line the first to gain. Down. And he didn't even get and to the white get to the lines. First, he didn't even get to the 10-yard line. So that's why I think it would have been such an easy call for them to reverse had they needed to. But but it, here's the problem, Tom, is the fact that if they've given it to Tennessee, do they say we have to review this because Pittsburgh has no challenge? I think they would have. It would have probably come from the booth because... Under two minutes, and again, it was so obvious that a booth review official would have been like, "Oh, that wasn't the right spot. We need to put this into review." I'm gonna buzz down right now. So I, I don't think, know I think you would have been safe either way. Why did the booth even allow the chains to come out? Because the chain, the chains really. Every time the chains come out, whether the Steelers are playing or not, it pisses me off. <laughs> because there shouldn't be a thing anymore. No, there's. It should not. We have all this technology. We're about to have automatic or robotic umpires in baseball to get rid of bad calls there. There should be no such things as chains in football. The only thing that you want to hear chains is just in the term moving the chains. Ban the, no, we got to get rid of the moving the chains I guess term so. if you get rid of them. Ban the chain gang. That's Jacob Rex's takeaway from the Steelers' victory over the Titans on Sunday. we got a lot more to talk about on the Steelers' standard, so keep an ear out for some later episodes you will see on your podcast feed. But for Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Opferman, and that's going to do it for this episode of the Steelers' standard. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.